0: Chapter Fifteen Part Two Continued Of More Love to Thee The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jennifer Painter More Love to Thee The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice by George Prentice Chapter 15, Part 2, Continued The funeral took place at the house on Wednesday afternoon and was conducted by the Rev. P. S. Pratt, pastor of the Old Congregational Church of Dorset, assisted by Dr. Vincent and Dr. D. W. Poor. Mr. Pratt read the 23rd Psalm and a part of the 14th chapter of John, which was followed by the hymn O Gift of Gifts, O Grace of Faith, after which Dr. Poor delivered a most appropriate, tender and interesting address. Dr. Vincent then offered prayer, and the hymn, Nearer My God to Thee, was sung, closing the services at the house. The large assemblage passed in succession by the casket, where lay such an image of perfect rest as one is rarely favoured to see all traces of struggle and pain had faded from the expressive face and nothing was left but the sweetness of eternal repose it was now a little after six o'clock and the shadows were lengthening in the valley at the close of one of those rare days of the ripe summer which only the hill countries develop in their perfect loveliness the long procession moved from the house and at the distance of about a quarter of a mile entered the little cemetery and as it mounted the slope on which was the grave, the scene was one of most pathetic beauty. Standing in the shadow of the hills which bound the valley on the east, the eye ranged southward to the long undulating outline of the green mountain, coming round to the equinox range on the west, muffled thick to its very crest with the green maples and pines, and still farther round to the bold hills and sloping uplands on the north. Below lay the quiet village, at our feet, God's acre, with the train of mourners winding among the white stones. Who could stand there, compassed about by the mountains, and in the shadow of that great sorrow, and not whisper the words of the pilgrim psalm? I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills. Whence should help come to me? My help cometh from Jehovah." who made heaven and earth. As the casket was borne to the grave, the setting sun, which for the last half hour had been hidden by a mass of clouds, burst out in full splendour, gilding the mountain tops and shedding his parting rays upon the group around the tomb, the stricken family, the weeping neighbours and friends, especially the women whom for some years past she had been in the habit of meeting at her weekly Bible reading, and some of whom had walked each week for miles along the mountain roads through storm and heat to drink of the living waters which flowed at her touch. Dr. Vincent, holding in his hand a little, well-worn volume and standing at the foot of the grave, spoke substantially as follows. "'I am glad, my friends.' that I am not one of those who know God only as they find him identified with the woods and fields and streams. If this were so, I should turn from the grave of this beloved friend and go my way in utter heart-sickness and hopelessness, for nature would but mock me today with her fullness of summer life. These forest-clad mountains, that waving grain, those woods, pulsating with the hum of insects, and with the song of birds all speak of life while we stand here at the close of a precious and useful human life to lay in the dust all that remains of what was so dear and so fruitful in good but thanks to God we are not here as those who face an insoluble riddle we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the resurrection of the dead and with this key in our hand We stand here at the grave's mouth and, looking backward, interpret the lesson of this closed life and, looking forward, gaze with hope into the future. Thus nature becomes our consoler instead of our mocker, a type and not a contradiction of human immortality. Thus, and only thus, do we find ourselves at the standpoint from which Christ viewed nature when he said, Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. The standpoint from which Paul viewed nature when he wrote, That which thou sowest is not quickened except it die, and that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body which shall be, but bare grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain. But God giveth a body as he willeth, and to every seed his own body. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. And thus, too, we can understand the words which I read from this little volume, the daily companion of our friend for many years, containing a passage of scripture for every day in the year, and marked everywhere with her notes of special anniversaries and memorable incidents. Was it merely an accidental coincidence that, on the morning of the 13th of August, on which she exchanged earth for heaven, the passage for the day was... I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Write, blessed are the dead which die in the Lord. From henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labours, and their works do follow them. There are two thoughts in this verse which seem to me to be fraught with comfort and hope to us as we gather round this grave. There is the thought of rest. They rest from their labours. Bethink you of the long life "'marked by the discipline of sorrow "'and by those unwearied labours for others. "'Bethink you of the racking agony "'of the last two days "'and how blessed, how soothing the contrast "'introduced by the words "'she rests from her labours. "'Still is the busy hand, "'at rest the active brain, "'completed the discipline, "'the pain ended forever.' "'The other thought is that her work is not done, so far as its results are concerned. Their works do follow them. Think you that because she will no longer meet you in her weekly Bible readings, because her pen will no more indict the thoughts which have made so many patient under life's burdens, and helped so many to make of their burdens steps on which to mount heavenward, think you her work is ended? Nay, go into yonder field and pluck a single head of wheat, and plant the grains, and you know that out of each grain which falls into the ground and dies, there shall spring up an hundredfold. Shall you recognize so much multiplying power in a corn of wheat, and not discern the infinitely greater power of multiplication enfolded in a holy life and in a holy thought? No. Through the long years in which her mortal remains shall be quietly resting beneath this sod the work of her tongue and pen shall be reproducing itself in new forms of power, of faith, and of patience. And yet we seem to want something more than these two thoughts give us. It does not satisfy us to contemplate only rest from labour and the perpetuated fruits of labour. And that something this same little volume gives us in the words appointed for this day on which we commit her mortal part to the grave For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labour of love, which ye have showed toward his name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. Be not slothful, but followers of them who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises. Here the veil is lifted, and we get the glimpse we want of her inheritance and reward in heaven. She has inherited the promises, such promises as these if children then heirs heirs of god and joint heirs with christ if so be that we suffer with him that we may be also glorified together they shall hunger no more neither thirst any more neither shall the sun light on them nor any heat for the lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them to living fountains of waters and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. They shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down with my father in his throne. Thus we commit this mortal body to the ground in hope and with assurances of victory. Oh, it is one of the most wonderful of facts, that at the grave's very portal, amid all the tears and desolation which death brings, we can stand and sing hymns of triumph, even that song which, from the morning when the angels met Mary at the Lord's empty sepulchre, has been sounding over the graves of the dead in Christ. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. How sweet, how impressive is this scene! No wonder that we linger here while nature, at this evening hour, speaks to us so tenderly and beautifully of rest. Even as yonder clouds break from the setting sun and are tinged with glory by its parting beams, so our sorrow is illumined by this truth of the resurrection. There is no terror in death, and relieved by such a faith and hope, our thoughts are all of peace and flow naturally into the mould of those familiar lines. So fades a summer cloud away, so sinks the gale when storms are o'er, so gently shuts the eye of day, so dies a wave along the shore but this scene is adapted also to kindle aspiration in our hearts, aspiration to be followers of them who, through faith and patience, inherit the provinces. Her victory over death is the victory of love to Christ, and that same victory may be yours through the same Christ in whose name she conquered. Shall we not pray that his love may be shed abroad in all our hearts in richer measure? AND CAN WE BETTER FRAME THAT PRAYER THAN IN THOSE LINES WHICH SHE WROTE OUT OF HER OWN HEART? LET US THEN SING MORE LOVE TO THEE, O CHRIST MORE LOVE, O CHRIST, TO THEE HEAR THOU THE PRAYER I MAKE ON BENDED KNEE THIS IS MY EARNEST PLEA MORE LOVE, O CHRIST, TO THEE MORE LOVE, O CHRIST, TO THEE MORE LOVE, TO THEE ONCE EARTHLY JOY I CRAVED SOUGHT PEACE AND REST Now thee alone I seek. Give what is best. This all my prayer shall be. More love, O Christ, to thee. More love to thee. Let sorrow do its work. Send grief and pain. Sweet are thy messengers. Sweet their refrain. When they can sing with me. More love, O Christ, to thee. More love to thee. Then shall my latest breath whisper thy praise this be the parting cry my heart shall raise this still its prayer shall be more love o christ to thee more love to thee after the singing of these words mr pratt according to the old country custom returned thanks to the assembled friends in the name of the family for their sympathy and aid in the burial of their dead THE SEVERAL MEMBERS OF THE HOUSEHOLD EACH laid A FLORAL OFFERING UPON THE CASKET LID, AND THE BODY WAS LOWERED INTO THE GRAVE. DR. VINCENT UTTERED THE SOLEMN WORDS OF committal TO THE DUST, AND DR. POOR PRONOUNCED THE PARTING BLESSING IN THE WORDS. THE GOD OF PEACE, WHO BROUGHT AGAIN FROM THE DEAD OUR LORD JESUS, THAT GREAT SHEPHERD OF THE SHEEP, THROUGH THE BLOOD OF THE EVERLASTING COVENANT, MAKE YOU PERFECT IN EVERY GOOD WORK TO DO HIS WILL working in you that is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Thus the valley of the shadow has been irradiated. To those who have been permitted to participate in these closing scenes, it has seemed like standing at heaven's gate. The valley of the shadow has become a transfiguration mountain where we have seen the Lord. hardly had the news of her death left dorset when there began to pour in upon its stricken household a stream of the tenderest christian sympathy nor did the stream cease until it had brought loving messages from the remotest parts of the land her friends seemed overcome with special wonder that she could have died so vividly was she associated in their thoughts with life and sunlight for months too after the return of the family to their city home letters from far and near continued to bear witness to the mingled emotions of sorrow and of thanksgiving excited by her sudden departure from earth sorrow for a great personal loss thanksgiving that she had gone to be forever with the lord a little volume of selections from these varied testimonies would form a very touching and precious tribute to her memory the human heart to use her own words was made by so delicate so cunning a hand that it needs less than a breath to put it out of tune and an invisible touch known only to its own consciousness may set all its silvery bells to ring out a joyous chime happy he thrice blessed she who is striving to hush its discords and to awaken its harmonies by never so imperceptible a motion. Surely the triple benediction belonged to her. Already tens of thousands, both young and old, who never saw her face, but have been aided and cheered by her writings, gladly call her thrice blessed. May this story of her life serve to increase their number, and so to render her name dearer still. Above all, May it help to inspire some other souls with her own impassioned and adoring love to our Lord Jesus Christ. End of chapter fifteen, part two. End of More Love to Thee. The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice by George Prentice.